What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. Have a fun one for you today, a listener-suggested topic. I will be sharing my top 10 scariest horror movie masks of all time in honor of Scream 6 coming out this week. I'll give you my spoiler-free review of that, and if it lived up to the expectations of it being a darker and grittier ghost face unlike we've ever seen before, that's what they kept claiming. And you know what I thought? I thought there was no way he was going to be any different than what we saw in Scream 5. Prove me wrong, Scream. Prove me wrong. And in the trailer park, my inner kid is about to explode because there is a new animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out called Mutant Mayhem. So thank you for being here. Thanks for being subscribed. Shout out to the movie crew. And now, let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Today's episode is a listener-suggested topic. I got an email, which you can always email me, moviemikeD at gmail.com. This is from Marcus Miller, who said, Movie Mike, what's up, bro? Love the podcast. Hey, I had an idea for an episode that I think would be fun to listen to. You should take 10 horror movie characters and rank their masks by least scariest to scariest. Let me know what you think. Thanks for all you do. Take care, Marcus Miller. I love this topic, so thank you, Marcus, for suggesting it. I love horror movies, and I love horror movies mask. So I've compiled a list of mask killers that I would rank as the least frightening to the most frightening. And I'm basing this on if I was home alone and I saw this mask figure outside of my door, which one would give me the biggest feeling of terror? Which one do I not want to encounter at night? Do I not want to have to run from? Which one would invade my nightmares and stay there forever? So we'll have some old, we'll have some new, we'll have some fun going through this list. So let's kick it off now with number 10. At 
number 10, I went with Hannibal from Silence of the Lambs. And it's almost that it is an absence of a mask. And the small mask that we do get in Hannibal is just this little sliver covering its mouth. So even more so than the mask itself, it's what the mask represents and how iconic it became. Because the reason Hannibal Lecter has this mask is to cover his mouth because he is a cannibal. And Hannibal Lecter has cannibalized his victims and tries to bite the people around him. So that is creepy all on its own. But the mask itself is so simple and one that I think doesn't get the recognition it deserves when it comes to horror movie masks. And Anthony Hopkins gave one of the best performances in the 90s as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. The crazy thing about that movie and the crazy thing about his role, he was only on screen for 16 minutes. A mere 16 minutes not only got him nominated, but he won for best actor in 1992. That is unheard of to win an Oscar with that little amount of screen time. And Anthony Hopkins is just an OG, an amazing actor. He went on to win this award again in 2021 for his incredible performance in The Father. So he's an actor who can do it all from drama to horror. And not only is he winning Academy Awards, but he's also ending up on my list at number 10, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. At number nine, I have The Animal Mask from Your Next, which came out in 2011, a movie I thought was just going to be a generic horror movie that I would watch one time and never think about again but I was completely wrong there's a fox mask a tiger mask and a lamb mask it's about these characters wearing these animal masks who are actually hitmen hired to kill their family in order to collect some insurance money I love the plot in this movie lots of twists and turns and some pretty brutal violence so there was a lot of creativity in this movie that set it apart from just being another home invasion slasher horror movie and it all goes back to these masks because out of context Somebody wearing an animal mask wouldn't be that scary, but you put a crossbow in their hand, you show them killing somebody and the blood splatter on the animal mask just adds a very eerie element. So the animal mask combined with how violent this movie gets, it's beautiful in a dark twisted way at least. So at number nine, I have the animal masks from your next at number eight, the pig mask from Saw, which you probably associate the entire Saw franchise with its mascot, Jigsaw. But there was something about seeing this pig mask and it come out of nowhere in these movies that was completely terrifying. And we were just talking about how almost adorable the animal masks are in your next. But it's a complete 180 when it comes to this pig mask in Saw because it looks gruesome. It looks bloody, even though it's not really that bloody in the movie. And there's just something creepy about a pig. And nonetheless, a pig with this dark black wig over it in a black hoodie and these really gloopy dark black eyes and you have no idea who is behind this mask. So even if you took this mask outside of this movie, which the entire Saw franchise, at least the first three movies are really creepy and they had a pretty good grip on us early on when the idea of a Saw movie was pretty novel and it was this filthy swine that I just couldn't get out of my brain. So at number eight, I have the pig mask from Saw. At number seven, I went with the horrifying grinning faces and the polite leader mask in The Purge. The Purge is the movie that's about the 12 hours of legalized mayhem where there are no rules. Anything goes, including murder. The Purge has one of the best premises for a horror movie in the last 10 years. It came out in 2013, which is bizarre to me that movies that came out in 2013 are now 10 years old. In my mind, everything from the 2010s is still just a couple years old. But now the fact that the Purge movie has been out a decade, the idea that kids now are growing up in the 2020s 
and everything from the 2010 seems like so long ago to them. That gives me a weird feeling, especially when it comes to The Purge, which still feels like a new franchise to me, but it's been around for 10 years. And what's so creepy about these masks? It's how they are used in the film, of course. Whenever they're looking through their peepholes, they see these people outside their door, and they have this big, exaggerated expression on their face that's almost doll-like, almost this translucent human face, which the masks in The Purge are actually based on a horror movie from 1976 called Alice Sweet Alice. So it's a bit of an homage to that movie. But it's an image that I would not want to pull up when I bring up my doorbell cam and see this doll-like face with black eyes that looks like it's had too many procedures of Botox, wielding a machete, pointing it at me. And maybe it's also the fact that this could probably happen in real life. That's what makes this movie creepy. That's what makes these masks creepy. So at number seven are the masks from The Purge. At number six is a newer entry, a movie that came out last year called The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke, where he played a character called The Grabber. And I think if this movie would have had more of an impact last year, it was a movie I enjoyed, but I wanted to completely love it. If it would have really resonated with audience, been a bigger hit at the box office, which it also came out during the summer, so there were a lot of things going on. But I feel like the look of this mask, Ethan Hawke's performance in this movie, had everything in the recipe to be an iconic, memorable horror movie character. There was just something about this movie that didn't completely hit for me. But even though I didn't completely love the way the story played out, I was in love with the look of this mask. So the Grabber is this sad, sadistic serial killer and also a part-time magician. And he has three different, really creepy looking devil masks that all represent these different emotions that he has. Because this character is unlike any other horror movie character. He is ashamed of all the things he is doing throughout this movie. Abducting children, locking them in his basement, torturing them, messing with their mind, ignoring all the sounds that come from the black phone, and trying to carry on with his normal life and hide it from everybody else that he is actually the one that the police are looking for in connection with all these missing kids in this neighborhood. And the way they use this mask in this movie is unlike any other horror movie character. While, yes, he's trying to conceal his identity from the public, but he's also trying to conceal his identity from himself. At least when he is doing all these horrific actions, he doesn't want to look at himself. He is not proud of himself. He is ashamed of the actions he is doing. So when he looks in the mirror, he doesn't want to see his real face. He wants to hide it behind the sick devil mask which is probably how he really feels on the inside. And he uses these three different masks to portray his different emotions that he feels throughout this movie. Sometimes it's joy because in a sick way, he does get pleasure out of doing this. It is despair because sometimes he does feel bad for all the things he is putting these kids through. And then there's one mask that has his mouth completely just gone, kind of like shut, melted looking. And that is to represent the nothingness he feels. No remorse. And... When you put all these things together and just the design of this mask, how it looks like perfectly sculpted porcelain. And if there was one mask out of this entire list that I could just own and have in the background of my home studio, which I'm rebuilding right now, this one would look amazing up on the wall. And it is so creepy looking and used so well in this movie. My favorite thing about the black phone aside from Ethan Hawke. So at number six, I went with the grabber's mask in the black phone portrayed by Ethan Hawke. Hopping into the top five, at number five is one of the most recognizable masks. You can find it in any store around Halloween, and it is Jason Voorhees' mask. 
The Friday the 13th franchise has an unusual start because you don't even see this mask until part three, which came out in 1982. Jason isn't even the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie. In part two, he doesn't have this mask. He just has this brown burlap looking sack over his face. That's the first time you see him. And it's not until part three of Friday the 13th where you see his hockey mask for the first time. I feel like when these movies came out, they were trying hard to not look and mimic exactly what was working with the Halloween movies and Michael Myers. So they were trying to be a little bit different. So for me personally, the movies didn't really work until Jason had the hockey mask on. Whenever I see the baghead version of Jason, I find it incredibly cheesy. But I think what makes this mask so terrifying is the fact that it's so simple. It's just a hockey mask with a little bit of red on it. But nonetheless, it works. It's iconic. So at number five, it is Jason. At number six, mentioned it a bit earlier, it is Halloween, Michael Myers' famous Captain Kirk mask from the first movie. And there have been so many iterations of the mask over the entire franchise. But it all goes back to that first mask. And the story behind it, the production crew went out to just buy a mask that fit the character, that fit the budget, and also one that they didn't have to get the rights for. So Michael Myers also could have been wearing a clown mask. But luckily, the one they ended up settling with was a William Shatner mask that they stripped off the sideburns. They painted white. They messied up the hair. And what they ended up creating was this mask that looked lifeless that had an absence of emotion and that had these dark eyes and a blank stare. And that is how they brought Michael Myers to life. And I think that's what makes the Michael Myers mask so scary is the absence of emotion. You have this ghost-like face on this incredible shape of a very muscular, strong individual that can take you out with his bare hands. But it all goes back to that mask. It's cold, it's soulless, and so easily recognizable. So at number four, I have Michael Myers' mask from Halloween. Getting into the top three, at number three, I have the masks of the strangers in The Strangers. The reason I find them so terrifying, more so than Michael Myers, more so than Jason, is because they can be anybody. The Strangers is a movie very much set in reality. There's no supernatural element to it. The killers don't have this incredible strength or the ability to bounce back from an attack. They are just normal people wearing these sinister looking masks, two that resemble baby dolls and one that is a burlap mask with the cutouts for the eyes, like a demented looking scarecrow. And it's the story behind The Strangers, which is a story about a young couple who get trapped inside this home, tormented by these three people wearing these masks. There's nothing bizarre to that plot. That literally is my worst nightmare when checking into an Airbnb is what neighborhood am I in and are there people watching me? So this is a worst case scenario played out in a movie and I would freak out if I ever woke up in the middle of the night to something crashing at a front door and then saw somebody wearing this doll mask or this burlap sack mask. And what makes these masks even scarier is there is some real life truth behind them. This entire movie was inspired by something that happened to the director Brian Bertino as a kid. He based it on a childhood experience when a stranger came knocking to his door in the middle of the night asking for someone who didn't live there. That would stay with me forever. This movie has stuck with me forever since I saw it in 2008. Still freaks me out as an adult. Sometimes I still have nightmares that these people are chasing me around my own house. So at number three are the masks of the home invaders from The Strangers. 
At number two is Ghost Face Mask from Scream. This is just a great looking mask. It's the only mask I've ever owned. I had to own it as a kid. I wanted to dress up like Ghostface, and my parents would never pay for me to have a cool Halloween costume. But luckily, I was able to get a Scream mask after it went on sale after Halloween at the grocery store. It was marked down 70%. So then next year, once Halloween came around, I had my Scream mask. Although I'd already been wearing it for a year at that point and it didn't really look that good. I also didn't really have the rest of the costume. But man, I loved that mask and kept up with it for years. But even though this mask is so simple, there's something that sets it apart from every other blank white horror movie mask aside from Jason, aside from Michael Myers. It just has these black blobs for its eyes and its really long looking mouth. But it's almost like those blobs give this mask an expression, like the mask is screaming, which it's actually loosely based on that famous painting the scream wherever the guy has its hands on its mouth screaming kind of like Kevin in Home Alone. And the original Ghostface mask was actually created by a company called Fun World as a Halloween costume before Wes Craven even used it in Scream. The word iconic gets thrown around a lot, especially on this podcast, but just in life. But this mask is truly iconic. If you saw this Scream mask as a small little icon on your desktop, you would know exactly what it is. The sagging eyes, the elongated mouth, that is Ghostface. And even if you haven't seen a Scream movie, you know exactly what it is. So at number two, I have Ghostface from Scream. Before we get to number one, I do have some honorable mentions. I watched a horror movie earlier this year called Infinity Pool, and I really loved the bizarre looking masks in that movie. They had this really cool metallic finish to them, and some of them have two faces split on one mask. I really liked the look of every single mask in that movie and thought they were going to be used more throughout the movie. But nonetheless, those are pretty terrifying too. I also like the mask used in Happy Death Day and the fact that we are still trying to create some masks in these new movies coming out. I can respect that. I decided not to include faces on this list. So if you're wondering why characters like Freddy Krueger, It, Chucky, even Art the Clown from the Terrifier movies didn't make this list is because that's just their faces. So even though you can go to the store and buy their faces on a mask, the characters themselves aren't actually wearing masks. So that's an entirely different episode. But now at number one, the mask made from human skin is Leatherface and his mask in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What else do you need to say? He is a demented individual wearing a mask made out of human skin. One of the most grotesque concepts for a mask. It looks truly horrific to see this skin pieced together with the jankety sew job. I love the imagery in this movie when you see him making the mask. And then the first time you see him with the skin over his face. That is something only a true sick individual can do. And like some of the other masks on this list, the director took inspiration from a real life serial killer named Ed Ginn who wore masks made out of human skin. So this is not just some idea somebody came up with and thought this would make a great horror movie. Somebody actually did this. Out of all the movies in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this has always been something essential to each one. Leatherface making a mask out of human skin. It's sick, it's creepy, it's disgusting. It is my number one 
scariest horror movie mask of all time. If there's one you think should have made the list or you think my ranking was a little bit off, let me know. Hit me up on socials at Mike Distro. Thanks again to listener Marcus for suggesting this week's topic. If you have a topic you want to share with me, a movie you want me to talk about, a genre you think I should feature more on the podcast, let me know what it is. Send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com, or you can copy and paste it from the episode notes on this podcast. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from Ryobi. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review now. I want to talk about Scream 6. And for some reason, I set really high expectations going into this movie. I don't know why. I bought into the hype of the trailer. I bought into the hype of Ghostface having this worn looking mask, kind of getting that bad taste out of my mouth that Scream 5 had and thought maybe it would be a little bit more of an elevated horror movie, have a little bit of a different approach and not just be another slasher movie. The idea of it being set in New York City was exciting to me, them getting out of Woodsboro, having the four survivors go on to college. And what I said back when I had it in the trailer park is, would it be able to maintain that same level that it did in the trailer throughout an entire two hour movie? But before we get into this review, here's just a little bit of the Scream 6 trailer. This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello? Let's play a game. You know you're like the tenth guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipish in the mask. Maybe. But there's never been one like me, Gail. I'm something... different. That's why I'm going to shoot you in the head. So what we have in Scream 6, we are continuing our requel here. So if you're not familiar with the requel, it is a movie that is both a remake and a sequel, but it contains new materials and tries to keep that same storyline alive, keeps that same continuity. So in essence, Scream 5 was a requel of the original Scream 
and Scream 6 is a requel of Scream 2. So this movie continues the theme of it being very meta, very self-aware, and I think to the point in Scream 6 where I feel like this franchise is hurt by its own legacy, holding on to those old characters. You still have Courtney Cox's Gail Weathers in this. You have the references to Nev Campbell's character, the references to David Arquette's character. I think we need to move on from that. Drop all the old nostalgia, and much like I in my 30s need to move on from the 90s, the Scream franchise needs to move on from the 90s. If I have to hear... What's your favorite scary movie one more time? I'm going to lose it. It's not even that great of a line. It's a memorable line, but you don't need to say it in every Scream movie. And the thing is, I actually like the characters in Scream 5 and Scream 6. You have two really great leads. They're really great actors. You have Jenna Ortega, who... When this first one came out, Scream 5 that is, I bet most people would have trouble identifying what her name is. But after her having such a big year in 2022, she's now one of the biggest names in horror movies. So I almost feel like she is now attached to this franchise, even though I don't think she'll be continuing to do these movies because her stardom is going to get even far beyond the Scream movies. But you see throughout this entire movie that she's a really great actress, does horror really well. So I think if she wanted to continue in the horror genre, it just fits in so perfectly, like a glove. And then you also have Melissa Barrera, who I just love the representation in between her and Jenna Ortega of having Mexican actresses in a leading big Hollywood movie. So that's inspiring for me to see, to see how you can change throughout the entire franchise. Because the storyline in Scream 6 is really like a soap opera. But even with the cheesiness in the storyline, I can still see the talent in both of these leads. And then you also have Mason Gooding, who I think is a really great new actor. I really liked him in Booksmart. And then you have Hayden Panettiere back because she was in Scream 4. So what this entire movie is about is all the four surviving members from Scream 5 are back in Scream 6. They have left Woodsboro and are now living in New York City. It takes place about a year after the first one. They're trying to live out their lives. Jenna Ortega's character is trying to completely forget about what happened in Woodsboro and not really make it a part of her identity whatsoever, just trying to be a normal college kid. Her sister, on the other hand, whose dad is Billy Lupus from the very original Scream movie, is still struggling with all these thoughts in her head. She's trying to go to therapy to make sense of all the emotions she felt after she killed the guy in the movie before this and is having a much more difficult time moving on. What disrupts everything, you have another killing again and they want to get immediately out of New York City. But then of course they run into Ghostface pretty quickly and their first encounter is actually what you see in the trailer. They're in a bodega and the rules kind of go out the window because usually... Ghostface attacks people one-on-one, -on -one, doesn't do it in broad daylight, and I felt like this first attack was them trying to be a little bit different, it trying to be a ghost face like you hadn't seen before. He attacks them right in public, going down the street, and that first little standoff in that bodega was actually pretty good. As the movie progressed from the first and second act, 
The kill scenes were pretty captivating. They weren't anything entirely different, but they had a little bit more of a niche to them. They moved along a little faster and the movie got pretty bloody pretty quick, almost like an old school B-horror movie from back in the day. So I felt like for a little bit, Ghostface did have a little bit of an edge to him, but I still wasn't buying into the fact that he is a Ghostface like we hadn't seen before because that about wears off within the 45 hour mark of this. I think where this movie really lost me was with it being a little bit overly meta. Again, I think it's just hurt by its own legacy. It just feels like every Scream movie has this exact same formula. And now at part six, I'm a little bit over it. The Scream movies to me are almost starting to feel like the Fast and the Furious movies. You kind of know exactly what you're going to get going into it. And even though you have this expectation of it being completely different, it's really just a lot more of the same. Case in point, Hayden Panettiere's character coming back. She was in Scream 4. Her character, Kirby, is now in the FBI and trying to figure out how all of these killings are connected and how the killer in this movie is leaving behind different ghost face masks from throughout the years. So I guess that's on me of expecting this movie to be a little bit scarier. The scariest part of Scream 6 for me actually took place in the lobby, having to see all those teenagers. And I could just feel Gen Z judging me, pointing out all my insecurities. Look at this 31-year-old dude with adult braces sideways crying laughing emoji using skinny jean wearing weather forecast fanatic looking like he loves a trip to costco and i do so that was the scariest part of this entire movie for me but i do enjoy that a scream movie does give me those nostalgic vibes of a 90s slasher movie that feeling of going to a movie on a friday night a packed theater with a bunch of people there just looking to have a good time laugh at the ridiculous parts scream during the jump scares and then talking about the movie as you exit the theater what was your favorite part This movie did, in that way, encompass what I love about going to the movies and what made it so memorable going as a teenager. So even though I felt those Gen Z kids judging me, I knew they had the right to do it. They would look back on a night like this of remember the good old times of Scream 6. But I just found that throughout the entire two hours, it had a really hard time keeping my attention and hands down, the cheesiest Scream movie I have ever seen. I honestly think they need to honor Wes Craven by letting go of everything we know from the Scream franchise. It seems like they are trying to keep all those things alive in order to keep the legacy of these movies, in order to keep people interested. Let go of all the characters. No more references to Gail Weathers, Sidney Prescott, Officer Dewey. Let's let it all go, and let's let these new actors really shine in a new story. Let's reinvent the Scream franchise. Throw it all out the window. So with that being said, as much as I love a good slasher movie, as much as I love the character Ghostface, This movie just didn't do it for me. I found myself waiting for it to be over. So I would give Scream 6 2.5 out of 5 stab wounds. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. I have been waiting for the first look at this movie for three years now because Seth Rogen first announced this project to make a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie back in 2020. And the inner kid in me went wild. I love every single Ninja Turtles movie ever made. It doesn't matter how cheesy they get, how far away they get from what made the original movies great. I just love that throughout my entire life, there has always been some iteration of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Why I think I love these characters so much. Growing up, this was one franchise that my brother and I bonded with so much over our years of watching movies together, and my brother grew up in the 80s, much like Seth Rogen did, so I think the fact that he is behind this movie producing it, making sure it is representative of those fans of the original series from the original comic book, the original cartoon, and those original movies, I think he is trying to incorporate what made those Ninja Turtles movies great, but also having a modern, fresh approach and realizing that yes these movies are meant for kids there are so many movies now that we all love and we've been watching forever from teenage mutant ninja turtles star wars spider-man they were so impactful because we discovered them as kids but we grow up and we keep wanting to see these characters and somehow still hold them to those feelings they gave us as kids and want them to live up to those standards there's no way they're ever going to make us feel like that they shouldn't they should be inspiring the next generation of kids to be fans of all these franchises and that is what is exciting to me about this movie it's called teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem it's coming out in theaters on august 4th before i get into all the things I love about the look of this movie. Here's just a little bit of the Mutant Mayhem trailer. What the heck are those things? They look like little Shreks to me. Oh, we've prepared our whole lives for this. Oh my god! Oh my god, I'm gonna be sick. Leo, what happened? Is Donnie bleeding? So, you were baby turtles who made contact with mystery goo. Well, we prefer the term ooze, but yeah. It's like more like, it's just nice. It, it, it rolls off the tongue better, yeah. Ooze. 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 It's nice, right? So this movie is about our four iconic heroes in a half shell. Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Raphael. And they look to have the most childlike nature to them than any other Ninja Turtles movie. 
all of the four main characters are voiced by real life teenagers. So I'm really glad they did that. It's a Nickelodeon film, so it only makes sense to have these characters voiced by real life teenagers. And the movie will follow the story that we're pretty familiar with. These four turtles that stumble into some ooze along with their rat mentor Splinter. And then they turn into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles only lurking in the shadows wearing these masks even though doesn't really hide their identity as being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They operate in the shadows in New York City and try to be recognized for their heroic actions that they do saving the city from crime. And then you also have April O'Neil helping them along the way. So let's look at this cast. When it comes to the four main characters, you have Brady Noon as Raphael, Micah Abbey as Donatello, Shimon Brown Jr. as Michelangelo, and Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo. And then you have some big names throughout the rest of the cast with Jackie Chan as Splinter, producer Seth Rogen as Bebop, John Cena as Rocksteady, Hannibal Burris as Genesis Frog, Rose Byrne as Leatherhead, Ice Cube as Superfly, Post Malone as Ray Filet, Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko, and Maya Rudolph as Cynthia Utrom. I love the animation style they decided to go with on this movie. I think it really adds to that childlike nature of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It kind of has the style of a kid's book you would get at the school book fair, almost like this watercolor comic book style. It kind of resembles the style of Into the Spider-Verse. Not as detailed, not as intricate. I don't think they have as many artists working on this movie than they did with that piece of art. But I think that's the style they're kind of trying to emulate because it works so well for that animated Spider-Man franchise. And maybe they're trying to create something of their own here in that same vein. And to pair with the animation style in this trailer, I really love the look and design of the logo. It has this style to it that it kind of looks like an actual teenager came up with this logo. It reminds me of when I would doodle in my notebooks while I was taking notes in class. That's the kind of style it has. So in a way, it looks modern, but it also kind of feels nostalgic. It's the most 90s looking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that we've had since, well, the original 1990s Ninja Turtles movies. So in a way, it reminds me not so much of the first three Ninja Turtles movies, but since it's animated, it reminds me of the original TMNT cartoon and video game and how fun that was to discover as a kid. So I don't expect it to be as good as the OG trilogy from 1990, 91, and 93. But I feel like it has the ability to outrank the other movies. I did like the 2007 animated version. I remember my brother and I going to see that in theaters and it being a cool thing to experience even 17 years after the original movie. The Michael Bay live action ones, which I watched again recently because I just love the Ninja Turtles that much. They're all right. I was excited to see Bebop and Rocksteady as live action characters, but there was just something about the turtles being CGI and being really big and bulky and kind of taking the childlike nature away from them. Instead, just making them superheroes in this Michael Bay explosion type movie. It just felt like they were Transformers instead of Ninja Turtles. So I didn't think those movies were terrible when they first came out. But looking back on them, I could have done without those movies. And the fact that they had Johnny Knoxville as Leonardo's voice in the first movie and then fired him when they made the second one, bad move, bad move. So again, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is coming out this summer on August 4th. So now the only thing I have to get over is being okay with being a man in my 30s going to see a kid's movie alone. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park.
And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. If you are listening on release day, which is Monday, the Oscars just happened last night. So look for a special bonus episode where I will go over all the winners and losers, the upsets, the outrage. I'll have that up for you as soon as I can do that recap episode. But before I go, I got to give my listener shout out, which I do every single week. All you have to do is send me a DM on Instagram, tweet me at Mike Distro, or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. This week's listener shout out and listener of the week is Brandon Scott, who sent me this DM on Instagram and said, hey, Mike, just listen to this week's episode and love the topic. If you want to dive a little deeper into movie score composition, I highly recommend Disney's For Score podcast. Appreciate you and the entertainment you give each week. Hope you are doing well. Thank you, Brandon. I hope you are doing well, too. And thanks for listening to last week's episode. If you missed that, it was my top 10 most iconic theme songs from movies of all time that was one of my favorite episodes to do so if you love movie scores if you love playing games and want to see how many of those you can name and you missed that episode go back one in the feed and check that one out and thank you brandon you are this week's listener of the week thank you for being part of the movie crew thanks for being subscribed and telling a friend who also loves movies to check out the podcast hope you have a great rest of your week and until next time go out and watch good movies and i will talk to you later This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.